assembly. Bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? The second reading this morning is taken from Psalm 51, verses 1 through 19. You can read that responsively, and it's printed in your bulletin. This is obviously a Psalm of David, I believe. Psalm 51, beginning with the first verse. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict, and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. The epistle this afternoon is taken from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 20 through chapter 6, verse 10. This can be found on page 1799 in the Pew Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with the 20th verse. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you please stand if you're able? Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the sixth chapter. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. And the Gospel this afternoon comes from Matthew 6, verses 1 through 6, and 16 through 21. Matthew records, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their full reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. 
And when you, ca- when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Clothing. Clothing performs many functions in our lives. On a cold day, clothing can keep us warm. On a rainy day, clothing can keep us dry. And when we were in Hawaii, Tracy and I, a guide told us that the pineapple leaves can be very stiff and abrasive. And the workers, even though it's warm there, wear long sleeves and pants to prevent nicks and cuts. So clothing also can serve to protect us. Clothing denotes position and status. People in the military wear uniforms that indicate rank. Medical staff wear uniforms. The color of the uniform can indicate a specialty. It can indicate one color that it was a lab technician or another a registered nurse or another a volunteer and so forth. I wear, I wear an alb during the services. Whatever we wear, each uniform communicates something. Now clothing also provides modesty. We wear clothing because we are modest and proper. However, this was not always the case. The Bible tells us that when God first created us, the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. That's in Genesis 2. And this little detail informs us that before sin, humanity was innocent. So innocent that clothing was not an issue. And that all changed when humanity fell into sin. For we read, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, 
and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired and to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. That's Genesis 3, verses 6 through 7. The bottom line is sin brought shame. And shame brought the desire for a covering that would hide the shame. So they sew together fig leaves, lest the Lord see their shame lest he discover their sin when he walks through the garden. It didn't work, did it? It was the wrong kind of garment. Nakedness and shame are equated with sin throughout Hebrew Scriptures. Man tried to hide and cover up his sin with his own garments and his own works. It did not work. It never does. And after Adam and Eve were sent out of the garden, the first thing that the Lord our God, the Heavenly Father, did was to clothe them. The Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins, and he clothed them. That's Genesis 3, 21. Clothing made from leaves just might be enough protection from the environment. But only blood, only blood can cover the shame of sin. And so with that, God initiated the first animal sacrifice. And he covered Adam and Eve with the skins of those sacrifices. So in reality, only God can cover sin and he chooses to do so with a bloody sacrifice. And this garment motif points us forward as it continues to be woven throughout the Old Testament. Listen to Isaiah 61.10. Isaiah records that, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Isaiah says there is one who is coming who will clothe us with garments of salvation and cover us with the robe of righteousness. And as we know it, it will require a bloody sacrifice. The blood of God's only begotten Son is the only thing that will do, the only person, the only life given that will do. Isaiah also tells us that we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds, all are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, 
take us away. That's Isaiah 64, 6. Our righteousness, our righteous deeds are like Adam and Eve's fig leaves. They atone for nothing. Joel was recorded as the, recorded this. He said, Yet, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your garments, excuse me, and rend your hearts, not your garments. When Joel tells us to rend our hearts and not our garments, he tells us that the rending of our garments accomplishes nothing. Rather, it is a broken and a contrite heart coming before God in repentance that pleases him. And so we see the reverse of this motif on the cross at Calvary. And it tells us everything. That is that Christ, the one who bears our sins, is stripped of his garment, and in his nakedness we see for our sake that he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians verse, or chapter 5, verse 21. We know that Jesus is stripped. We know that his bloody sacrifice washes our sins away and that we are clothed in robes of righteousness and covered in his garment of salvation. So we are gathered here this day to put on ashes, to repent of our sin. We know our sin, and it is ever before us. We know the sorry condition of our blackened hearts. We know that we, of our own strength and power, cannot return from our sin-stained exile. We know that we cannot return to the presence of our God. The ashes remind us of our sin. They remind us of the condition of our hearts. But ashes in the sign of the cross, well, those ashes remind us of a gracious and merciful God. So we who are helpless and hopeless sinners are told in Joel 2.13, Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. We, who can do nothing, have a God who has willingly done everything for us. And ashes show our sin. Ashes in the sign of the cross show us the true nature of our God. The cross, an instrument of torture and death 
and the means by which God cleansed our hearts and exchanged our garments. The cross, the place where Jesus is raised up in our place. The cross, the place where Jesus is stripped of his robe and all of our sin is revealed as he hangs naked in our stead. For he who knew no sin became sin for us. And we attempt to cover our sin, but Jesus reveals it so that it might be washed away by his blood. Isaiah again in 53.4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Ashes in the sign of the cross. A gracious and merciful God has offered up his only begotten Son so that the sin that has exiled us from his presence might be washed away and we might be restored to his presence. It's a return, a return from exile. And that's what we are experiencing and meditating on in our Lenten journey together. And where does this journey end? Well, not at the cross, not even at the empty tomb. The journey ends in the lovely, indescribable courts of heaven. Listen to the words of St. John as he describes those who are gathered around the throne of the Lamb in the kingdom. He says, After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. You see, the great multitude who wave their palm branches as they worship their Savior note that they are clothed in white robes. These are no fig leaves they wear. They are not adorned in filthy rags. They are clothed in white robes. For they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Their garments of sackcloth have been exchanged for robes of righteousness. The sackcloth and the ashes, they are gone. For Christ's journey to the cross clothes his bride 
the church. It is the blood of Jesus that washes away sin. And it is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It is the blood of Jesus that washes our robes and makes them white. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne, and so to the Lamb. Blackened, corrupt hearts, covered by fig leaves and animal hides, such is the cause of our exile. Exiled from the presence of God, we adorn our foreheads with ashes, and we come before God with repentant hearts. And God is gracious, and God is merciful. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God provides his Son in our place. Jesus endures the cross in our stead. Blood is shed holy and precious blood that washes away and cleanses from all sin. And our hearts, our hearts are restored and our sackcloth and ashes are exchanged for garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. And the exile is over and the journey is finished and we are returned to the presence of our God, and we rejoice in the robes the bridegroom has provided for his bride. It is in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand if you're able? Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your steadfast love. In your abundant mercy, blood out our transgressions for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who was crucified for our sins and raised for our justification. Preserve the proclamation of his cross among us and guard your church from every false teaching that might delight our desires but leave us lost in our iniquity. Lord, in your mercy, look, look graciously on your church and preserve the gospel among us Renew us in this penitential season to strive against the desires of the flesh, to grow in joy of your salvation, and to look in love and service toward our neighbors, especially those of the household of faith. Lord, in your mercy, look graciously on the families of our congregation Defend your holy estate of marriage against every enemy that would divide. Strengthen parents for their duties, especially bringing up their children in the fear and instruction of the Lord. And preserve us all faithful to the end. Lord, in your mercy. Remember in mercy all who bear office in our land. 
Give them wisdom. Protect them from danger. And help them serve our people according to your gracious will. Help us to become a people that guards the rights of the weakest and the most vulnerable, especially the unborn. Lord, in your mercy, behold in mercy all who are sick, who suffer, and who rejoice. Be with all expectant mothers, all whose work is dangerous, the unemployed, those near death, and those who mourn. Comfort us who are dust, but must return to dust with the promise that a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. Lord, in your mercy, grant us repentance at the Lord's table. Let us recognize the enormity of our sins by the measure of your abundant pardon by the sacrifice of Christ our Savior. Grant us faith to eat and to drink his true body and blood worthily and to learn from him to love our neighbor. Lord, in your mercy, Father, bless us on this holy day of repentance. As we enter the season of Lent, let us hold fast to your word. Teach us to die to self and serve you faithfully throughout this mortal life until at last you bring us with the blessed saints into your presence forevermore through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace from our seats where we're at. Just, you know, nice wave. And uh, we'll get uh, set up for uh, Holy Communion. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. You bid your people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast. Renew our zeal in faith and life and bring us to the fullness of grace that belongs to the children of God. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread 
and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. So today um, we will do uh, communion by intinction. Pam is going to help me. And uh, what we could do is just, I guess we've always lined up and everything, and I'll let you peel to the left and the right. I was just wondering, I was overthinking it, how to do it best. But um, so we can, we just come in a line and one at a time do our thing, okay? All right. You've now been fed the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May it strengthen you and forever keep you in his grace. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with peace, with favor, and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.